What's up, everyone? Today we've got on the podcast a high-stakes artist. He's made paintings that have sold for millions of dollars, and he's partnered with Triton Poker. We're going to get into that. Jonas Wood is his name, who's going to be talking about his love for poker, how he got into art. He's living the art dream, the American dream through art, you could say. There may be some poker and art mixed games in the future. Will I be making some paintings and playing poker? Is that what I have to do to play games these days? We'll also be talking about how poker strategy may just look a lot like strategy in the art world. And last but not least, we're going to talk about how he fell in love with art and I fell in love with poker. It's a bit of a mixed game romance. You you know a lot about poker, actually. Like uh, you, poker sycophant, maybe. Uh, okay, so poker sycophant. Uh, I mean, we're both got a mutual love relationship going on. Uh, Jonas Wood, what's going on? What's up, Dan? How are you? Good, good. Um, how would you describe to the audience that isn't necessarily familiar with the art world, such as myself? Uh, like the prestige that you've accomplished in the art world? Because I know that you're a very prolific artist. Um, I don't really understand where your art fits in in the whole like scene of art because art is like really big. It's like bigger than poker. Poker's like small in comparison and has yeah. like a lot of history in it. Uh, or, I mean, art has a lot of history in it and all that. So I'm trying to understand, even as I'm introducing you, I know you're a famous artist. I'll tell you how I would describe myself in our world. I would say like I'm 45, so I'm pretty young. And um, I've been showing paintings and drawings for almost like 20 years. Yeah. So I, I think I, I'm kind of making a name for myself, maybe trying to get to great, you know? But it's hard. There's no ranking system or uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, or anything or anything like that. But, you know... I've been practicing my craft for 20 years, and I'm I'm pretty right. good at it. Pretty All right, good. yeah, it's a whole of a resume. I mean, 20 years, uh, it's pretty intense. Uh, what what does it mean? How do you become like a great artist? I don't really understand what it, it feels like. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like it has to have some kind of historical significance, or just like a somehow like. Uh, somehow the art scene is gamed or I don't, I don't really know. Like, what can you say about that? I mean, a lot of people think, uh, right place, right place, right time. Um, for a lot of things, I moved to Los Angeles in 2003, which was a really great time to move to Los Angeles as a young artist. There was a big art scene happening and, and developing. I think that that's one, one bit of it. Um, you know, wanting to get better at something. I think mm -hmm. that wanting to learn about something and wanting to um, try to find greatness or be great. I've always wanted to have those things in making art, you know? So mm -hmm. I have to practice and I have to figure out ways to try to keep getting better and learning in my studio. And I think that that's, that's part of it, just having a strong desire to try to get better, to not think that I know everything. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I, I understood, like, a lot of it was, uh... I, I understood it's not, like, all merit-based all the time, but, uh, I... I that's, that's that just seems natural in any field. You mean like you mean like games like people game the system like they figured out how to like socially climb the ladder of uh of like the art game in a um, way. Yeah, or like the the really top. I don't know if this is true or not. I've heard it a few times, but uh, that the, the really the I, am I gonna like is someone gonna uh, send me a uh, whatever like a. Uh, how do you say a dark painting uh, that's gonna mess with my head if I uh, if I say this? Like this is just a guess. Okay, okay, all right. Well, I just thought like basically, you know, the, the, all there's there's these groups in art that just like kind of do whatever they do, like have some kind of propaganda machine that just like puts out whatever it is, and that's how like a lot of the art hype, not all of it, but a lot of it is uh kind of manipulated or am i just totally wrong yeah i i think manipulated is a strong word but in some cases it is probably manipulated i think there's um i think there's artists right and i think they they make stuff and people want to advocate for that advocate for them and sort of like push them further and there's lots of things being like pushed pushed up so to speak maybe price wise too and then some of them take off and some of them sink you know it's 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 a, it's a, it's very similar to a lot of other creative um businesses like you know thousands of actors that move to new york city and los angeles every year only a very very small percentage of them actually like end up getting a commercial do you know what i mean let yeah. alone being in a movie and so I think that there's a lot of like people that hype art, you know, like gallerists hype their artists, you know, they're like, we like these people. We want to show them in our galleries and, and uh, we're interested in, in you guys coming to look at them. So the whole thing is kind of a hype fest, you know, in sure. that it's a, it's a stage and um, you're, you're put on, a, you, you, you get lucky enough to get a chance to be put on a stage. And you try to you try to knock it out of the park and see if you get people to respond. No, the people can only be manipulated to a certain point, and then sometimes things um, uh, transcend and and become meaningful, and some don't. And that's the the thing you you get your chance to be up on stage, and you try to you try to shine, even if somebody's hyping you or not. Yeah, I've been actually thinking about a, kind of a similar topic lately, but not so much in art, but the whole, um, I don't know the term for it exactly, but basically everything is, is sort of like a trend, um, although certain things do appear to transcend these like temporary trends a lot of the time. Uh, I am really curious how this plays out in art, because, I mean, you said that like some things have meaning, and that's like, what I was thinking of, uh, I was thinking of like art and history um, somehow uh, has done that. Um, and use, often the paintings have some kind of meaning, like the Mona Lisa or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I don't really understand like the mechanism of how that really will work, other than it's like tied around like some historical incident or like 
something kind of related to that, like Bangsky and his, you know, his uh, incorruptibility, or um, I don't, I don't really even know that much about art, really. I mean, how does how does that work? I think in art, it's like people people show art in public, and um, and then um, it inspires or not, and then people want to live with art because it gives off um, certain energies. And some things can be uh, um, manufactured and be made and have no energies, and some other things can be made and and have like tremendous energies. And then the universe decides, like you know, you can't control everything. But I think what the way the art world works is people go to school, right? They go to school and they study art most of the time. Some people don't go to school, right? And then the next thing you want to do after you go to school is like, I want to get an opportunity to show my art and showing your art usually means in public at a gallery or like a coffee shop. Like I showed my, me and my wife showed at a coffee shop in Seattle at first, like a lot of people do, or a cafe showed my art in a restaurant, you know, hoping to, that somebody would want to buy it. And then I went to grad school and after grad school, you'd want to show it in a gallery and you try to get in galleries and you'd have a studio, but you couldn't get a show. So you'd have to work for an artist and keep studying and wanting to uh, learn more about it and then get more opportunities. And then if you can keep making art and keep showing it and it has, and you're able to like uh, transmit your energy to, to those people and them wanting to like live with it and collect it, that's one thing. And the, the thing that you're talking about, the market, how the market is manipulated, that is, a, that is, a, that is um, just a mechanism of how the art world works. Galleries are the platforms, are the stage for the artist. They are the hype, right? Yeah. And then, and then what, what, just let's just backtrack a little bit. So like, I guess like 20 years marks the, uh, me making art in the art world and having some sort of audience, but I'm still only like a little infant baby artist. I still have 40 years more to keep trying to make something great hopefully i have that amount of time but in that amount of time in 20 years a lot of people have been hyped and only a very small percentage of them have sort of kept going with something interesting you know what i mean yeah so it's sort of just how do you keep how do you keep coming with something interesting and Yeah. So I don't really know how to answer it because hype is about everything. Like, why do we buy certain toothpastes? Why do we use certain brands? Because somebody's lobbying and somebody's hyping them to you. You know what I mean? I have a theory about all this, but I could. But it's really hard to like. Well, it's really simple, actually. Um, It's it's really simple because if you look in all the uh, in. I mean, I don't know how, exactly how it would play out in art. I could just be like totally wrong somehow. But if you look at all like the civilizations, not not even just the big ones, but like the smaller ones, like certain uh, values have sort of trans- transcended all the like temporary memes, even if they're like 300 years long or whatever, like, you know, the reign of Genghis Khan and like all these like crazy things. Um, and it just looks like all of them are simply uh, related to Related to the transcendence of, like, well, it seems like the most pr- powerful ones that seem to eventually tra- uh, transcend it are just, like, related to 
whatever you want to call it, like the, the, the light side versus the dark side in some kind of way. I mean, that's a big part of like what meaning is, uh, like it's a huge part actually. I mean, it's not going to be everything of course, but, um, it, I saw this play out in a lot of other areas in art. I actually didn't even think about it at all. Uh, I'm really curious to study the history of art if I ever have time or pick your brain on this podcast and see how this stuff is working or get some kind of clue because right now I'm just totally baffled, actually. The art, the art world is like a, like a high-end commodity market, too, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, um, I think that's the part that you were, you were hinting at in the beginning because there's so much value placed on you know, all these different pieces of paper and canvas with different ways that the paint is put on them. And then this one is worth this and this one is worth that. And this one's great. And this one's garbage and all these, all these views about it. I, I get how it seems like it's pretty abstract, but what I think it is like, is like, uh, a, a human making something and then people, people, feeling energies from it mm -hmm. is is emitting energies because they were able to manipulate matter and then present it in a new way to mm -hmm. the world and then people put value in that you know and people want to live with that and yeah. then tremendous value in some of it yeah yeah i mean that that clearly makes sense i'm wondering how they decided to allot the value that they placed in it. What's the mechanism? I mean, that seems like the mystery. Well, the whole mechanism is the, is the sales that are public and comps. Okay. And that's where, that's where the manipulation and auction and auctions and secondary market stuff comes into play because then if you can only base sales on comps, then if the, what are the comps real or are the comps manipulated and hyped up, like you said, and that's the, that's sort of the deep question that you're asking. What's the real price? What's the jacked up hype price? Like what's being manipulated? What's not being manipulated? And I mean, it's hard to tell. Oh, okay. Well, damn, if you don't even know, then. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, there's a tremendous value being placed on, um, on objects even in during covid like what were their spikes in um baseball cards pokemon cards um you know rare objects all the valuations went up crazy right and there's another thing in in, in any kind of like business um things are worth what people are willing to pay for them well, yeah, that's clearly true. I mean, I think a lot of that is kind of noise in some kind of way. I think there are um, sort of patterns, but not patterns that can be timed, if that makes sense. Um, like certain things are inevitable, uh, if that makes sense, but you just don't know like when they're actually going to happen. Uh, have you witnessed this in the art world? Can you like predict to some extent which trends are going to happen. I did see that you... Yeah, there's a lot of insider trading, but it's not really insider trading. It's just in info, insider info. Like, you'll know that a young artist is being courted by some bigger galleries. And usually when a young artist gets courted by some bigger galleries, and they're going to, like, level up and move to a, 
a bigger sort of, you know, brand, so to speak, of gallery that's going to be selling their work. And if you know that before everybody else, and then you collect some of that work, knowing that when they move from one smaller gallery to a bigger gallery, that there could be a leveling up in, in, in the price. And I think that happens on a regular basis. Oh, okay. Um, and there's, it's, it's like everybody said the art world, this is what it's, this is the conversation that you want to have. But the, the art world is one of the last unregulated money markets um, in the world. Oh, that is kind of interesting. There's no regulations, um, you know, and that's why there's so many shenanigans. Well, I kind of, it's, it's kind of, um, how do you say, it's intriguing that it's, you know, it's so old and no one's really regulated it, but like, how would they regulate it also? It's like the, it's kind of funny to me somehow. Um, well, to tell you the truth, like to get deeper into this, cause you're interested in, but at least from my perspective, yeah. not to um, cut you off. But when I first started showing, you know, after that period where I wanted to show and then I kind of got good enough to show and I started showing my work in like 2005 and 2006, they don't tell you that if you do well, um, the whole secondary market and people selling your work more than once and all the stuff that we're talking about, about the market and how things are manipulated. You don't know, I didn't know those things. And they, and they kind of like take a lot away from the romantic idea of how I learned about art and what I thought about art. I was kind of glad that I didn't um, know about these things and, until later and could have, could have had sort of like a, un, like a, what's the right word? Sort of had, had a, a, a more naive, understanding of and, and sort of foundation of, of uh, just trying to work on having a good practice and not really being too um, aware of any of that. Just well, trying to make, you know, make something great. Well, it's inspiring that you're able to succeed, you know, just with the uh, romantic notion of like what the dream is supposed to be, like work hard and now you're a successful artist. Like that's cool. I mean, there's like still justice in the world, so that's that's nice. Are you do you still have the romance for uh, for the art? Do you still believe in the dream? Um, is it there for? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I mean, I just super motivated always to just keep practicing and getting and getting better and trying to um, outdo myself because. Um, you know, just the way I'm wired. Okay. You know, I want to uh, be, I want, I want to do well. Okay. That's cool. I, uh, I will say I lost my romance for poker and then I regained it in a way. How did you lose it? How did you lose it? Tell me. Well, it's a, it's hard for most people to understand, but it's like it, it, how do you explain? It's kind of like I started asking these kind of bigger questions, like what's the point? Like, why am I doing these things? And I started seeing, I started seeing currency as not just money to be gained, but more like what are what what's something valuable to be gained? What's actually experiences and the difference that you make? And my idea of uh, how purpose, what what the purpose of my life would would be, changed a bit because. Basically, poker at some kind of point became essentially a very complicated rat race. Like even the idea of a rat race 
has uh, a degree of complication to it. Now, all we, if we do is we, um, we add some more layers to it. Okay, we're like running on the treadmill. There's like even in a Black Mirror episode where they're running on the treadmill and they're like generating electricity and this is the, the it's literally a rat race, right? And you had to switch gears, right? I had to switch gears. Yeah. You had to switch gears. That's part of it. Um, but th it's a little bit more subtle than that. But basically, you know, we added more layers of complexity to it and it's still like a rat race if at the end of the day we get a fixed amount of money at the end or something like that. And poker essentially reduced me to that. And part of that, as you said, was I realized I had to switch gears, like you said, perfectly. Um, and so I kind of went outside and explored all these other areas. Um, by the way, I want to mention that the thing I just said is actually a uh, insight in spirituality in that basically like people have the wrong idea of like chasing perfection in that they will never be happy chasing like these objects all over the, the right. because there's, it, they're just like the thing that gives the meaning and the feeling is the difference in the, like the position of the universe, if that makes sense. And just like, once you get to one level, you don't, um, like, it, it, you have to go to another level or you have to change the velocity to experience a different feeling, if that makes sense. If your velocity keeps st staying the same, then then that feeling also loses meaning. And if you're still accelerating, then that feeling also, if you're constantly accelerating, that feeling also loses meaning, if that makes sense. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So you you took time away from poker. I noticed because I've been following you for a long time. Even when you were just like a gray head with no face on it, uh, before they revealed that you were Jungle Man from Maryland. Oh, wow. You were way back in the day. Because you were underage. Like, that's how far back you go to me as, like, uh, as a person. Like, that's how long I've been following poker. But I, I know that, that from just watching you, you did end up taking a lot more time away from poker to try to, like, uh, like le learn more about yourself or like activate yourself in a different way. Like I had really noticed that you took like improv classes and like stand up comedy, mm -hmm. you traveled and you did charity work and you did all these things. Did that all, was that a way to like balance yourself out because you were so focused on like poker and like math and like winning and that rat race that you had to like, teach yourself all these things that you hadn't gotten to yet? Or like, what was that? Is that, is that, is this part of this conversation that I'm bringing up? Yeah, it is. But, uh, it, it's like a way of going beyond the rat race. You can say to going to something that's more intangible, like art's also intangible. And it's like a little bit like, un, uh, how do you say ungraspable in some way, which it also right. like intrigues me, uh, in a way, because, uh, you know, like, uh, many principles of math or principles of poker. I can reduce many situations in poker to something quite simple, actually. But uh, art is a little bit more challenging. I can see the similarities a lot, actually. I have a lot of poker player friends, and I, since I follow poker so much, like I really relate to that balance thing because I was so all in on painting that I didn't have a good life balance. Yeah. And as I've gotten older and have kids and been forced to have a better life balance, it's like made me... A better person when I'm focusing less on painting yeah. and less on on that accomplishment and then I've gotten more towards the idea of like if I just practice this thing and like 
I'm intrigued by this thing, then then I'm going to get um, satisfaction out of out of painting. Like, no matter if I can make a lot of money or make a living off of it or not anymore. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Trying to have balance. So when you took yourself out of it and you were doing all these. Uh, these other things, like what made you fall back in love with poker? Because dude, the last couple of years when you won like the players championship where you like, you basically were in character the whole time and you just destroyed, except for you should have lost the year before when that guy folded one big blind. <laughs> well, this magic, man, I was using the energy of the universe. <laughs> you, like, you like talked into his mind. But um, so, so, so obviously when you, you found the love was that two years ago? How um, many years did you, did you fall back in? Like, and what was, what did you do? Like, tell, tell, tell me some of the things that you did. Okay, I'm gonna, like, this one's a little bit harder for people to understand. I have to explain it a bit because a lot of it was okay. in my mind. And, and the, what you're saying about okay. balance actually does resonate with me a lot. One of the challenges of being like, you know, one of the, one of our kinds of, one of you or I in the sense of like, we're pursuing these like super ambitious goals or super ambitious like things is it's very challenging. And I see this over and over and all these, all these people, I presume have the same, at least they, I, I, at least this is what I think is that a lot of people have this dilemma of like, they're pursuing these high goal lines. Uh, but at the same time, like, like it's really hard to ha have that intensity of pursuit, but not be too attached to progress. If that makes sense. Maybe you've experienced that. Right. Yeah, totally. That's at the opposite end of balance. It's like the other extreme of the idea of balance because it's very easy to not have that intensity and be balanced, but to have that intensity of, uh, of like, you know, ambition or, well, I'd say ambition and have balance is a very challenging thing to, uh, to master, if that makes sense. I've been, um, uh, I've been uh, struggling with that in a different sense lately, uh, but I am realizing more and more that. And uh, I did solve the problem with balance of poker, for the most part. Uh, well, basically doing all the things that you said and just like basically going, I mean, there's a mix of that and meditation and stuff like that, honestly. It really, I'm just slowly coming to the conclusion, although it's difficult, that the spiritual path is the the optimal life path if that makes sense which requires uh a bit more understanding to see it logically but uh i don't know if that does that resonate that, that's you something mean, like do you mean spiritual in the sense that you're like like self-love uh yeah like, that's what you mean, like taking care because when i think of you saying spiritual like you're saying like taking care of that part where you're listening to yourself and you're, and you're like healing yourself and not always putting yourself under duress to like win or play poker. Like the balance of that is like meditate, take time off, give back, travel, do things you've never done, go out, right? Is that what you're saying? Um, I would say- Not playing poker, not, playing poker, not studying poker. Um, I would say, you're uh, mostly right, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. And I would still say that um, pursuing what you're um, passionate about is actually also part of the spiritual path, even though it doesn't appear that yeah. way. Yeah, 100%. No, you're right. My therapist tells me all the time that, that 
like painting is like my lifeblood. Like it has saved me. It is my therapy. Like I need to do it. So it's more like if I do it too much, then it's unhealthy. For me, if I paint too much, my body starts to break down. Really? Because I'm sta standing and I'm phys I'm not like, you know, but I'm standing and I'm like physically using my body like too much. And then if I'm painting too much, like my mind just doesn't turn off about it. Like I sleep and have dreams about painting. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I've kind of had that too. Yeah, versus if I have a more balanced, like if I could paint every day and a little bit, I think like my future life, like my ideal life will be like a vacation lifestyle where I paint. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then maybe that's in like 10 or 15 years once my kids are like past college, you know, because now it's not, it's not really going to be that, that option probably. Is poker like... Like, a, like, do you feel like it's like, keeps you sane? Um, in a way you could say that, I mean, it's like in a subtle way, I guess you could say that it's more like for me, games that keep me sane, the same, if that makes sense. Uh, and what other games do you play besides poker? I mean, I play games on my phone occasionally. I mean, I'm, I've started to branch out into martial arts, for example, I have the oh. idea, I mean, I have the idea, like I want to try sparring at some point and to like add some competitive element to the gym stuff and it's a bit of a challenge in that i mean i i think maybe i want to see if like my ability for strategy can like help get help me actually win some fights but i, I need to be a proper athlete a bit i see a future uh poker fight this is going to be like there's been a couple of good poker fights like elky versus uh lex right yeah and then like uh what was that mma fight that was like kind of crazy like jc alvarado no who was it it was crazy it JC was like uh, olivier bousquet bousquet dude and bousquet like jacked yeah it was right like... okay so who would be good who you have we have to wait for the next like poker beef to come out for you to oh, figure yeah. out who you're well, that one, uh, I'm pretty far away from being ready, and right at this moment, probably everyone could whip my ass, so uh, that one will have to wait. Depends who you pick. Yeah. Well, um, when it comes to poker, how I, uh, it actually was a bit of a surprise, because, um, and I'm trying to figure this out, I'm trying, uh, it, first of all, I realized that, you know, like for you, for painting, poker's a really big part of who I am. And in it is actually embodied all my values uh, I discovered. And I realized, oh shit, like everything's there. Everything that I think is valuable, like patience, the right strategy. Um, uh, what can you say? Like perseverance, courage, uh, seeking truth. Like all these things are in poker. And I realized that like through it, you can see the way in which many life principles play out. In many ways, it's like symbolic of like how the, the the principles of life play out. You could say, which was a um, one of the interests of mine was essentially trying to understand. Uh, yeah, it's been really like a growing passion of mine. It's just trying to understand how the world works, um, and it's like led me down some very interesting paths. And like, what's the point of everything? Um, and that kind of stuff. And uh, 
I, I like wonder if there's like more and more connections to it that I uh, am not really seeing to other uh, fields, which has yet to be explored. And that's like almost a different um, conversation topic. But in addition to all that, I saw some elements that could be uh, could be explored more on. Um, I mean, it could be used potentially as a tool for um, maybe potentially as a tool for, uh, how do you say, self, I mean, it's kind of a long shot, but uh, self-growth, there's elements of that. It's essentially gamified spirituality, if you think about it. Um, you can also, I mean, apparently you can just act like a goofball while you're playing poker. It's like really hard to do that when you're playing like professional, like, you know, like football or something like that. Like when you're playing professional poker, you can like sit there and eat sushi and get a massage and just be free and do whatever you want. And, and then, uh, you know, dress up like macho man and just bring it. Uh, I, <laughs> I love, uh, I love taking screenshots of when you're getting like a head massage playing like high stakes poker or something. Yeah. You're always like, you're always like in the middle of a hand, like some woman's like rubbing your head like this, and like, uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, I taught my kids how to play poker. I think that there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of good qualities. I think that I relate to, to poker because I think there is a lot of chance taking in 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 being creative, mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of. I think there's. I, I'm I'm like a cook, like a painter. It's kind yeah. of like mathematical. There's sort of like. Um, of different approaches that I take, different strategies that I take, you know, just in, just in painting. I think the social aspect, which you brought up earlier that I didn't really touch on, there is a big social aspect to the art, art business and the art world, but a lot of artists are fucking emo freak freaks, you know, and they don't really want to deal socially either. And that's, that can be hard for them too, because a lot of the art world is very social, but it's not all that. And, and there are plenty of people who are totally off the grid who are, who are incredible artists who get big opportunities too. But okay. it is a big problem. It sounds like poker, kind of. I mean, there's plenty of like weirder yeah. than poker. And I mean, I, I'm social now, but I was more in the other category before. Uh, yeah. I guess it makes, it makes some kind of sense. Uh, I don't know. Um, it seems very different in many ways to poker, but there is a creative element to it. It's just not, it, I mean, it's, it's combined with some other things, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. What would you say that you love, uh, what do you, what would you say that you love so much about painting? Um, I love the, I love the ability to, um, to like create something in my own hand. Mm -hmm. And um, I just love the process of, of building something from scratch. You know, it's like a, it is like a certain kind of game. You know, it is like a puzzle. And I love puzzles and I love putting things together. So I think it's just, just super satisfying. You know, <laughs> generally speaking, like super satisfying, difficult and hard and strange, but overall like super satisfying for me personally yeah it's super satisfying uh, okay um i i believe i read that it's a form of uh therapy and release for you is that true yeah totally i mean yeah 
working, working, always being able to like work through things and have a, um, have the ability to have like an outlet was big. That's how it kind of started when I was a kid. Um, I was like, uh, I had like learning disabilities and some other issues. And I think it was like a big deal to be able to, um, to learn how to make stuff when I was a kid. And then it sort of just helped me through as I've gotten older, just been a, a great kind of way to work through things, feel good about myself, you know, mm -hmm. complete, a, complete a challenge. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Would you, I guess what you say, uh, would, did you, when you started, were you, uh, did you ever imagine that you would be like one of, you know, the top artists? No, I thought when I started, I would, I would be, um, teacher and have like a tenure track teaching job at a liberal arts school and like a free studio and you know like kind of live in a small town and that that was like what I was hoping for so this is way beyond um like what my, I imagined uh, even yeah never never imagined this for myself this wasn't my dream or anything okay what kind of uh do you want to talk about what sort of learning disabilities you had when you were growing up? Yeah, sure. I, I, I was dyslexic and I didn't really like learn how to read until I was in like third or fourth grade. And I just had a really hard time in school and it was in the 80s, early 80s. So it wasn't really as accepted as it is now. It's totally different now. It's almost like if you have dyslexia now, um, it's talked about completely differently. Like you almost have like you usually if you're dyslexic, like, yeah, you might not be that great in like reading or some some sort of uh, learning aspect. But you usually have like another kind of power that's that's very powerful, you know, the way that and, and turned out that mine was um, uh, art, you know. So I wanted to be a doctor and I studied really hard after um, maybe third, fourth and fifth grade was really hard. And then I found a out that I was dyslexic and I went to like a specialized school in Massachusetts and they basically told, taught you how to like uh, read and write using like, I guess a different what method, which was basically just hmm. for me, like reading things multiple times, writing things multiple times and not sort of just rushing through it once. So I also had like some like attention issues or whatever. And then, as this was all developing, like my parents were teaching me about art and getting me lessons in art. And I think it just, it just, uh, that was one thing that I was good at. So like my parents found something that I was good at while I was struggling at school. But once I went to this specialized school, I learned how to study. I did really well in school and I got to college and I wanted to be a doctor. But I ended up studying psychology and I ended up studying like child development and, did, and I did all this research on dyslexia and kids with dyslexia. And um, so, I mean, that, that was my experience. I mean, I still sort of, I don't really struggle with it. It's just like, you just have to know what you have to do. Like if I write something down, I have to read it like multiple times. If I had to like sign a book for somebody, I'd want to like write their name down on a separate paper first to make sure I spelled it right. Because even if you said your name was like Ron, you know, somehow when I start writing sometimes like R-O-N, you know, mm -hmm. like that simply, like, I think I would know how to spell Ron, but like sometimes a regular word spelled out, like it looks wrong to me when it's not. That word is spelled weird. 
I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's my dyslexia. I mean, everybody has different stuff. But I mean, you know, I had other, I had other things and like some, you know, uh, 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 abusive relationships, et cetera, growing up. So like art just became like a real savior, like a real, like the one place that I ended up having like success in and became like a, like a lifeblood, like part of my existence, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of a combination. I mean, like a lot of people that are successful, I had some hardships and I overcame them. And it turns out the thing that I'm doing is like helping me live my life because it makes me feel good and I'm good at it, you know? Okay. I mean, that is, uh, it is awesome that, uh, all of what you just said turned into like a legit, not well, more than legit career, like a, uh, uh, shining career. Uh, Thanks, man. it sounds like kind of the dream, like all the, the fundamentals that are supposed to be there, like turned into something good. Like, Oh, mm -hmm. uh, that's supposed to, that's how the yeah. world is supposed to work. Right. It is overcome and succeed. All right. And keep working, keep working hard. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm a little bit dyslexic as it turns out. Uh, I was re-diagnosed. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. <laughs> but did you see that when I like misclicked twice in one? No, hand? no, no. I just like, I feel like you just, it wouldn't be that surprising. I mean, a lot of like super successful people and amazing people have like learned disabilities and I think a lot of times when you overcome for things that are harder from you when you're younger, it turns out to be pretty advantageous when you're older, it turns out. Yeah, apparently it's like kind of lucky to suffer early in life, yeah. suffer whatever early means. Um, it might just yeah. be one of these dualities. It just seems like the universe is working that way, but it's hard to say. I mean, um, the more I study, the more I realize that. Um, I actually had like 10 questions and I forgot a couple of them. I'm trying to remember them. Yeah. Keep, let's keep going. Whatever you got. Here's a question that I have for you. What do you think is the difference between, uh, you and like other aspiring artists that are trying to like actually be successful and make some money? Uh, what do you, what do you think? Um, you know, your original aspiration was to be a teacher and then it sounds like somewhere along the line you, you realized, Oh, you could actually like really make like, some legit money from this or he turned it into like a proper business rather than, you know, just teaching art. Um, yeah. I'm curious. What would I, what would I give as advice? Um, well, I mean, it, it does, it does matter where, where you live, I think to a certain degree where there's like scenes and there's like scenes all over the world. And I think, you know, it's a lot of times it's important to be, to be on the scene. And you, you probably relate to that too with poker. Like a lot of people end up like kind of rolling through Vegas or rolling through a couple other cities, you know, at some point. Right. Um, and, but I think like, if you're trying to, to make it, I mean, I think being on a scene, um, trying to get a job with an artist, a lot of times you can become an intern with an artist if you like reach out or, or if they're, if they're looking for people and get like a real life experience from a professional and see if, if one that's interesting to you and like what you can learn from that and take for yourself that you're not doing. 
I think that's like a major thing. And then I think always having the mindset that you're not there and that you can get better and that you need to keep working hard no matter where you are. Um, because I think a lot of people forget about that and they think it's just about being in the right place at the right time. It's about being in the right place at the right time and working your ass off. Well, like what is the, what does it mean to be at the right? What, what I mean by that is, what I mean by this next question is, is like, what does it mean to be at the right place at the right time? It's like a ridiculous strategy to hope to get lucky. No, 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 no. I mean? I'm saying besides, besides that luck, you also need to be working your ass off because I mean, I mean, you have to have been playing poker stars in, in 2006 or whatever year you're fucking playing poker stars. I mean, you had to have been born then to be able to play then or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's still, you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. Like the fact that there was online poker during your age at your, at when you were a kid and now there's not, oh, right? Yeah. Like, so that's, that's like a difference right there. Right place, right time, Dan. You know what I mean? It's not like you really end up in the right place at the right time. You're probably in the right place at the right time and you're probably like grinding your face off trying to learn how to play poker. You weren't just like clicking buttons. I mean, you probably were just clicking buttons. But I mean, right place and right time in that, like I said in the beginning, it is true. There's sort of some great places to move for art. LA, New York, Chicago, abroad, Paris, London, Berlin. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's probably a couple more, but there's probably only like a real handful of really like important art cities, Brussels, you know what I mean? Like probably like 10 to 12. And it's, it's probably hard to break in the game if you're not in one of those cities, honestly, it's, it's a, it's a truth. So, I mean, right place and right time is like, you might actually have to try to move to Seattle during the grunge movement. If you want to be in a grunge band hmm. and make it, you know what I mean? It's like, that's what people do. They, you know what I mean? Especially in the creative arts, LA, New York for theater, acting, you know what I mean? Music. Yeah. It's like, okay, you can live in Iowa, you know, but you're probably not going to make it in music. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can make it in the Iowa scene, I guess, whatever that means. You could like... Yeah, I mean, nothing against Iowa. I'm sure there's great singers there, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Uh... That, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, I mean, it would be really useful if there could be, like, some way to, like, look at the generating seams from, like, a God's eye view, and you could, like, see, like, which one makes sense for you to go. I mean, you can kind of do that over time. You can, like, go to the cities and just talk to people and, like, figure yeah. it out that way. Um, I, I, think, I think between New York and L.A., and I picked L.A., I mean... If you're into this something, you're going to figure out that there's only a couple options. Okay, that makes sense. Um, well, I want to ask a question about that because, um, so I read a book recently, uh, and it was about how do people get success. I believe it was called uh, something like Don't Trust Your Gut, or it was called Everybody Lies. It was in one of those two books, and it said that um, artists, whether they're in music or in art or whatever, are six times more likely to succeed if they travel. And this is because basically what they need to do is find their audience. Like whoever loves them for whatever reason, um, they just need to find them. It's too impossible to like convince someone to love you, if you know what I mean, uh, or love your work. I mean, it seems true in both cases, right? Like good luck convincing someone to love you. 
Yeah, I think you need to be willing to travel. I think you should be anybody even really like, you know, like traveling and being able to go around the world and being like worldly. I mean, you can't buy that education and those experiences of like those mind opening experiences until you've traveled around the world. You know, mm -hmm. no matter if you're looking to be creative or you're going to be, uh, you know, anybody, but I mean, especially if you're creative, especially if you can put your, put your energies out into the world, if you're a singer or you're an actor or you're an artist and you can go and participate in different communities around the world. I mean, yeah, seems like a good strategy. Okay. Okay. I, I'm a little curious what, how like the real, the way to do that would be, but, uh, you know, yeah. people do it all the time. They're, the way people do it a lot of times is they do like, they do like trade, like loft trades. You know what I mean? Where they would like, I'm going to go to Berlin for six months. Does anybody want to rent my place in Los Angeles? I'm going to go to Los Angeles. Who wants to rent my place in Switzerland? You know, it, it, there is a network of people who do that. Oh, really? Okay. I, I, that's a uh, creative. I mean, I guess you can use a creative, the creativity has no limits. That's a fun thing about. Yeah. Creative. And like, stand-ups that I know and people who are actors and singers, they all do that type of shit. Not, not the loft trade, but they'll go to another city and they'll try to work it out. Okay. Very common in the creative arts, I think. Okay. So would you, um, I may have asked this already, but would you chuck down the biggest difference between you and like not so successful artists is just like how hard you worked on your own stuff. Well, I don't like to compare myself to who's not successful versus why I'm successful, but like, um, I mean, I think I've tried to have like a, uh, not pigeonhole myself as a, as an artist and, and, and work on a variety of like subject matter. And I think that's, that's no. been really successful that I haven't tried to like narrow it down to be like, I'm only the guy that paints like fruit still lifes. Okay. or something like that and I think that that's something to think about like instead of having it be like why am I more successful than other people like maybe it can still be under the category of like advice to getting to be more successful or thinking about how to win at the game of life so to speak uh, like your podcast says uh, I think I think just yeah like keeping your options open and and like trying to um keeping my options open and and just trying to like push myself in different directions, at least subject matter wise with painting and drawing. Okay. Has really, has really helped me be successful, I think. So diversify. And I will say that helped me a lot with uh, poker. Uh, yeah. I say, um, it did help me a lot with poker. I will say- um, games, Like the mixed games? What's that? Do you mean by playing the mixed games? Yeah, yeah. I thought I heard oh. you say, like, add painting to the mixed games or some kind of painting competition. <laughs> Can you add painting? The 10th game we're going to put in here today is, is painting. Okay, you have to paint a portrait of the person sitting to your left, and then we're going to judge it, and then everybody puts in 5K, and whoever <laughs> wins the best painting wins that pot. That would be fucking amazing. A painting yeah, like, you'd have to have, like, a, one person be a judge, though, to judge who's, like, the best artist. Painter. Well, that's the gambling, because, like, you don't know, like, who how they're going to judge or, like, what they're going to like. Yeah, or... yeah you got to figure out if there's going to be somebody who wants it to be, like, really realistic or they're, like, into abstraction, and then you got to play towards the judges. <laughs> uh, that's what... No, I was saying mixed games, because, like, everybody knew you as, like, crazy 
No Limit Hold'em, and I guess like PLO, right? That's probably No Limit Hold'em PLO-ish. But you were like heads up, No Limit Hold'em, yeah. ring game, No Limit Hold'em. And then PLO because that's where the, there was a lot of action. And then you started playing mixed games and just f***ing killing it, right? Like it's at least seemingly. Um, nobody talks about what happens in Bobby's room, but it seems like you're doing pretty well there. What happens in Bobby's room? Nobody not stay in Bobby's room, actually. <laughs> well, who, was winning, who was winning this summer where you said or somebody else said, it's really annoying. There's this one person's winning and they're really annoying. I kind of think I might know who it is, but, but um, I don't, I don't want to out well, there. Let's put it this way. If you play in the games... You'll know very fast who that person is. Uh, he shall not be named. I don't know who it is because because I who else? Mercier, I guess. No, Mercier is like cool. Like this, he doesn't He's do cool. so it's somebody who's not cool. I guess it, it was implied. I just didn't know if they were just torturous because they were winning, but whatever. That's like some. That's some torturous either way, man. Either way, dude. Like. Um, okay, so we got off track. So you said playing multiple mixed games. Like, did that? make it more interesting for you because like yeah. no limit felt so one dimensional. And then when you got into the mixed games, there was like so many different things to think about and strategies change. And that was interesting to you. That actually like, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. like what is a game? And um, you know, even like, I think I was talking about this earlier is like kind of everything. Once you just like put into a box, no matter how complex that box is, it's still a box. Like, even if it's got some calculus going on, it's got some merge ranges, it's got some, like, river check razors, it's got some uh, whatever, it's still a box, basically. Um, and you can say, like, No Limit's unsolvable, but, like, the way that, you know, all these, like, variations, they reduce, essentially, to, um, I mean, there's, there's still potential in it. Uh, but, you know, when we're, like, it, I think it's important to keep uh, innovating, for a lot of reasons, uh, basically. I think that's just, like, the nature of life. Uh, but uh, at least for... I mean, never it's what everyone's really happy with. But basically, uh, I like to mix things up and definitely mix games, add a lot of spice, and, like, change the nature of, like, how you look at strategy. And it also helped with uh, problem-solving skills in all sorts of ways because now, you know, the mechanics of games works very differently. Uh, but the more you learn one game, it helps to learn another game, et cetera, et cetera. I'm kind of curious if, like, that process is going to keep continuing, if I, like, manage to, like, do something else successful outside of poker. But uh, not really not really succeeding at that. Uh, it turns out that's pretty hard. Um, real life's t- oh. t- Spoiler alert, guys. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he's not leaving poker. He's still going to destroy you guys in poker. Is that what you're saying? Um, um, well, um, what, what I'm saying is, uh, what I'm saying is, real life tough. That's that's just a true story. Uh, one mistake that I made, I will say, uh, and I want to ask you a related question in a second. Is when I started like opening up like the options beyond poker to like kind of anything, and like I, I discovered I was actually interested in a lot of different things. I suddenly had the, the different problems that options were like blowing up like this, like super hard. And I'm just like, oh my God, I don't know what the f*** to do. Um, and uh, I mean, it was, it's kind of an interesting experience because I didn't have that experience for a while, but it, it actually made me realize eventually that 
I mean, there's the saying that you can do. Well, why don't we talk about you, actually? Uh, because I'm talking about my problem right now. We can talk about you. Uh, did you ever, did you, I mean, you must have done some things outside of painting, I would think, but you probably, it sounds like you kind of mostly stayed in your, your uh, painting lane, you could say. I mean, I've done stuff, I've done stuff with like making, um, making like products with different corporations. Like I've done stuff with like Louis Vuitton and um, okay. some other stuff like that. Like recently I just did something with Triton, Triton Poker. Oh, and yeah, I did, yeah. and I, I'm doing some stuff with some other undisclosed uh, franchise that I can't talk about right now. Okay. Um, but um, design stuff is pretty interesting. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like, um, painting but it's not painting it's design it's it's different you know mm -hmm. um, other things you know just like sports and playing golf and outside of uh, I don't have a lot of other hobbies gardening growing fruit all right yeah it's different it's interesting vacationing vacationing okay that's a good one yeah. uh, I like that one it's hard to it's, it's hard to mess that one up too much well yeah it's uh it's one of the more pleasant ones would you say i think you did say earlier that there's a connection between poker and uh painting um mm -hmm. can you elaborate on that uh would you say that's true or well i think that's like I'll, I'll i'll describe it in two parts one i think like just generally like wanting to take risks, like being a risk taker, like taking gambling on oneself, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like I, I connect that to a lot of ways that I've thought about my, my art career. When I made $29,000 in 2006 and quit my job and then rented a studio that cost like $4,000 a month. And it was like more money that I even had. I totally was like, gambling on myself or going all in on myself. A lot of my strategy in the beginning of my first couple of years was like all the money would I would make, I would like put back into my own business. Mm -hmm. And so I was risking a lot. Um, I think the social aspect of it, I think I've realized more, more of that, like playing with other artists and playing with other people and like, you know, uh, meeting a lot of different kinds of people and being comfortable. Um, has been a big as has is a big connection I think to part of like the social aspect of the art world, um, and um, I think about learning and practicing. Where I have had a coach for poker before in the past when I was playing more consistently, I do think the connection with having a po uh, painting practice and practicing and learning and challenging yourself from the poker players that I'm friends with who study a lot. And from what I hear from listening to podcasts like yours and other people, I feel like there's a, a deep connection to, to that, to practicing and kind of understanding and try to uh, relearn and approach the same thing slightly differently, which is if you're, if you're still painting a plant over and over again, it's not like a genius idea to paint a plant, but maybe I want to approach it from a slightly different uh, point of view this time. 
I do think that there's a lot of similarities to how people like think about poker. And so it's a weird like combination of the study aspect of poker. And I think also like the social interaction of reading people. Cause I do think also I've been able to maneuver in the art world because I, I'm comfortable with business and talking about business, but I'm comfortable with like reading people and dealing with people and maybe leveraging my position at times with people because I'm able to read the situation. I think that, and gambling and just keep leveraging and gambling, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. There seems to be some relationship, you know? Yeah, to keep reinvesting, reinvesting yourself and also like, um, just, just put yourself out there and meet the right people and like, use your leverage in smart ways as your reputation or whatever social position you have. It sounds like. Yeah. I think part of it, I do equate most of it to thinking about how like the higher level players think about studying and that you're never the best and that you, the game's always evolving. I think the art game's always evolving. The tastes of things are always evolving, being aware of things. There's just a lot of similarities in the sort of like the humbleness of the approach of studying poker where you, you have to study it to beat it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or at least for most people, unless you're just a fucking genius, you know, who never studies. And I think there's artists like that probably too. But for me, I know that like, I need to practice at something to be good. I'm not necessarily just naturally good at it. I mean, I probably am naturally good at it, but it's by enhanced by me my me studying it my practice you know i'm not that great at poker or anything like that but i'm just saying just from being like knowledgeable of the game being around poker players and following a lot of like kind of the stuff that comes with poker you know it seems like that's that's how i would connect it you know so it's sort of like a social thing and a studying thing and 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 like a human interaction thing all combined Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's an art, or creating art and being successful in art has quite some depth in it, it sounds like, and it makes a lot of sense that there's some kind of, that there's uh, quite some depth in it beyond just like painting a canvas or painting a, a plant. Uh, yeah. And it sounds like you also like paid attention to like what was trending and like tried to optimize a bit or learn different things in order to like appeal to different kinds of people and that sort of thing too. Yeah, just seeing what was out there, paying attention to what's out there, you know, it's okay. sort of ever evolving. Okay. I feel like this has been very insightful to getting into uh, the art world and like how like a uh, professional painter thinks and how, you know, you can actually get some success in it. Well, thanks for your time, Jonas. Uh, it's been great. I mean, I'm still intrigued about the, about like, what is it that is going to like, the way the history plays out, I guess you can say, uh, like yeah, to be determined how history plays out. Like that's why I said, like I don't know. Like I'm on the way to to being great, but who knows? History may prove us wrong. Word on the street is that you're very, very good and very, very prolific. And thanks for having me, man. Yeah, well, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. We can do part two. We can talk about both. <laughs>